Welcome to NucleCast, the official podcast of the NWA Deterrence Center. Each week, we bring you leading experts for a lively discussion on topics related to strategic nuclear deterrence. Our host is Dr. Adam Lowther, Director of Strategic Programs at the National Strategic Research Institute. The views of the hosts and the guests are their own. Welcome back to another episode of NucleCast. Of course, I am your host, as always, Adam Lowther. And today I have with me Dr. Rob Smith, the Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Mental. Now, the reason that Rob is with us is that we met last week at the Nuclear Deterrence Summit, where many of the NNSA's MNO contractors and the other firms that support NNSA's mission all come together to discuss current topics and the state of the nuclear enterprise. And so we had a chance to meet. Now, if you know Rob, you know his background. If you don't know Rob, he spent 28 career or 28 years in the U.S. Coast Guard. He was a prevention officer for a while. Then he moved to mission support. So therefore, he had the chance to engage with the SAPR program, recruiting, a whole host of these support elements. Then he retired. He, of course, worked for as the recruit, the chief of recruiting for uh, the Customs and Border Patrol. Then he moved into the private sector and worked on some of these similar initiatives at BAE and other companies. And now he's with Amentum. So he's got a lot of experience in bringing people into organizations. And for the listeners of NucleCast, this is important because we have a tough workforce challenge where we need lots of engineers, lots of scientists, lots of technical folks. And we have to be able to, to reach as broad an audience of qualified folks as possible. So therefore, this is a perfect topic for those of you out there who may be thinking, well, how am I going to meet my demands for personnel? So Rob, welcome into NucleCast. Well, thank you, Adam. It's, it's good to be here. Pretty excited about this opportunity. Yeah, I mean, for NucleCast, we primarily talk about warheads on foreheads <laughs> and we, you know, we talk about uh, what's going on in NSA and what's going on with the you know, with the DOD. So this, this is a new and interesting topic. We've also had another topic where we talked about uh, how to write about nuclear issues. So, so we occasionally step outside our, our normal bounds, but it's an interesting topic because, you know, this was a, it was interesting because I can't tell you how many panels last week at the deterrent summit discussed the the personnel issue the how do we retain or how do we recruit and then retain and retention was a big issue but both of them were big topics and this is sort of your area of expertise so yes <laughs> spent a little bit of time in the in in the the workforce focused areas both in in my coast guard time but even beyond that even here at uh, amentum we we work together to solve the the challenge of finding that best talent as well as keeping the best talent. I think that's the bigger focus because organizations that do well at keeping the talent also do well at recruiting um, the next generation of that same talent. So, 
So what do you see as the big challenges for these STEM companies that are needing all these engineers and scientists and, you know, computer folks and, you know, folks in math in, you know, whether it's nuclear engineering or metals, you know, metallurgy or whatever these, and then the skilled positions, that's another, we, we can't leave that out. The skilled positions, the craft positions that many of the labs need and that the company's developing and designing and building widgets that they need. How do we do all that? What are the big problems? Well, I, 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 I think I'd rather focus first on what I believe is the solution before we hit the specific okay. problem, right? I think uh, this is a bit of an unknown still, right? Um, and when you think about the generations that are coming up, they want to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves, right? They want to be able to tell mom and dad, hey, guess what I get to do? Um, obviously without breaking the security rules, but they want to be able to brag and be proud of, of what they're doing. So that employee value proposition, I would argue for today's generation is a little bit different from maybe what it was uh, previously, right? Um, but they need to know what it is. They need to know what the opportunities out there actually exist for them. Then they need to know how to find it. Um, traditionally, you know, within many of these spaces from a hiring perspective, you didn't have to do marketing and advertising, right? You you post a job, people apply for the job, you get enough candidates to pick from, and then you make a hire. Now we're going to have to be a little bit more deliberate in going after that talent. Uh, we're going to have to, you know, put put some, uh, identify some targets and, and, and literally put, put that warhead on the forehead, so to speak. But in this case, what we're going for is actually the, the, the workforce talent. I would say the biggest challenge is going to be um, identifying where that talent is, knowing which colleges and universities out there are producing what you're looking for. Okay. And then spend a little bit of time building relationships for the, with those environments to help people realize, hey, this is a place for you. This is something where you get to contribute to something bigger than yourself, um, whether it's the security of our nation or whether it's, it's, it's solving for what's next, right? It's, it's really what, what I think this generation gets excited about. And so as you think through that, uh, what are some of the solutions that you see as sort of as what you just identified? How, right. how do we solve that? How do we do that? Well, I'll tell you, it's going to, first of all, take time, investment of time. Um, it's going to take a, a little bit of a change in the mindset and how we go after, again, that talent. We're going to have to be very deliberate about it. Right? We're going to, as I stated, we got to find the colleges and universities that, that, that are teaching the things that we need and spend time there nurturing those relationships, right? I would argue that a lot of the uh, minority serving institutions, right, are not necessarily places we've targeted before. That is such a, a, a uh, I guess I'll call a harvest that's right for, for, for the plenty, so to speak. How do we go after that talent in, in these diff different colleges and universities? Also looking at other ways to just tell the story. Right. If I wanted to know what it was like to work in, in the nuclear space, how do I find that information? How are we marketing and branding ourselves uh, as, a, as organizations? I know at, at Amentum, we do do partnerships. I know that we do get out and we have certain relationships with ideal uh, colleges and universities. Um, I would say we all got to figure out how to do that. And again, even when we go there, it can't be you just show up for a recruiting event. 
You have to build a relationship. They have to become very familiar with you. You, you, you know, you're showing up, you, you're guest lecturer for this chemistry class or, or what have you. And then you come back again. They can't just see you once because then it looks like all you care about is putting butts in seats when in fact what you really care about is creating uh, a, a vision, a future, uh, a purpose for, for these students. Now, you're the vice president at Amentum for DEI. So right. obviously it's it's a topic that you care about. So yeah. what would you say is the focus of DEI and why why is that important? Well, uh, again, so as we're talking about going after the talent, I, I I would I would say that the if you take a look at the demographics, they're changing. Our national demographics are changing. Um the uh the the, the people that make up the people of color um, group is growing. They're becoming very, very rapidly the majority. Okay. So if you are looking for a job and you're interviewing with companies anymore, what's one of the first things you do as an African-American male? I can tell you, I'm going to Google you and see what I can learn about the organization, right? Because I want to know what you have in place for someone like myself coming in. Okay. If you have not done well in the recruiting and retaining of people of color, if I can't go to your leadership page and see at least one person that looks like me, I'm, I may think twice about joining that company. Or if I can't go to your DEI webpage, uh, assuming you have one and see all the things that you've been doing around DEI, do you have employee resource groups or employee resource networks? which are designed to take large organizations and create space for people of, of like backgrounds, et cetera, to come together. You know, so an ERG, ERN might be African-American ERN, a veteran's ERN, a women's ERN. And one of the things that we just started at Momentum is what we are calling the next gen employee resource network, because what we're realizing is that what that, that, that younger generation is needing, that 30 and below, if you will, is different from what the older generation needs. So how do we give them a space to come together, uh, create some level of, of connectedness uh, uh, within the organization, which will help them to feel like they belong? At the end of the day, the goal is belongingness. We want folks to feel like they belong in the organization. And these networks are a big, 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 big part of it, right? Um, also, you know, how are we getting out there and partnering within the community, right? Yeah, too often we drive through the neighborhoods that we work in and then we drive back through them on the way out. We never stop to understand who surrounds, you know, where our work exists, right? Uh, so many of those individuals see that big dome or building and go, hey, it would be wonderful one day to work there, but I don't know that that opportunity exists for us. Um, how do you go and create space for those individuals to even explore? We talk about recruiting, you know, by getting in the community, helping uh, individuals, first of all, understand what you do, but also helping helping them to find their path to the type of work that you do, whether it's creating STEM programs for that, for the elementary school students to be exposed so they can themselves also dream of one day being a part of what it is that you do. So it's kind of all the above, right? We want to focus on uh, a community outreach, community partnership. We want to focus on taking the talent that we have and creating a space of belonging for them. We want to take uh, uh, the opportunities to recruit and build those bridges with, with colleges and universities that may not be places we've been before. And I would also say, you know, you also have to build what I would call your ambassadors. Because quite often, I mean, we the, uh, the research will tell you 
that about 40% of your hires come by way of referrals, right? That's if you're doing well and taking care of your people. Okay, so how do you turn your employees into ambassadors for your organization to recruit and retain those that come come in? Research also shows that if you uh, if somebody comes to the organization by way of referral, they stay longer. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's another big a big piece to keep in mind because they already have belongingness at least at some level when they walk in the door because there's someone there that they know they're not a foreign object that just landed that has you know no no nobody that they're connected with trying to find their way so there's a lot to be said for creating a, a, an environment where people want to come to but then also using that to grow you know your workforce now i, think, I hope that answers your question sure yeah but the question that i've had is the generational question Oh, yes. that we have, you know, I'm, I'm pushing 50 and, you know, I, mo- all my bosses are, you know, sort of 10 or 15 years older than me. And then there's those that are significantly younger. And I think the generations are significantly different because of the, you know, the era in which they grew up. And right. as I've seen the younger folks, they want to progress a lot faster they have a lot more demands on how they are to be treated. And I, you know, I've, I've worked some investigations, you know, through my air force time, I did a lot of uh, command directed investigations. And one of them was dealt with air force BMT and sort of what I went through, you know, 30 years ago versus what somebody may go through today. Uh, the, it's a very different world. And so, I wonder how do we manage expectations for a younger generation that I would say expects a lot more. They expect more and they expect it sooner. So let's, let's, let's look at the question. Okay. Because you're asking the question from (laughs) the perspective of somebody pushing 50 and you've made some assumptions, right? Based on your experiences about the generation. I can tell you, first of all, they don't like being put into that box of being compared to everybody in their generation and they're all the same and they they don't want to stay in the job long enough, et cetera. I would say they want to be heard. I, I would say more than they want to progress faster, they want the opportunities to develop skills. Sure. Um, and they want the opportunity to be heard and learn through the benefit of the dialogue um, is, is what I think they will tell you. But I would say the bigger challenge is, have we asked them? Have we had that level of deep conversation? In fact, maybe that's the focus of a show. You bring on two or three, you know, next gens and have a real conversation with that next gen group to understand, okay, what 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 is your five-year plan, your 10-year plan? And what is it that you're hoping to do to get to where you're at? Because what I will also tell you is that it's not a one-size-fits-all. Right. So you, you can have two different individuals that's really born on the same day, even born in the same oh, sure, place yeah. and have a conversation with them. And I, I'm telling you, they're not necessarily going to have the same vision or viewpoint oh, for themselves. Uh, so I, I, I would say so. The, 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 the real answer is how do we integrate them in and not see them as something that's outside? Right. How do we make them a part of the solutioning? How do you give them a task? So because as, as I mentioned earlier, 
people just want to belong to something or be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. They want to be able to tell mom and dad, hey, guess what I got to do? Guess what I get to do every single day? How do we give them that, right? How do we bring them into some of the problem solving and actually hear them? Um, So back to kind of the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Why is the generation even part of the conversation as we talk to E&I? It's because they are that, they're part of one of the different groups that you have to be able to find a way to leverage what they bring to the table. Um, something that we've even talked about, we had a panel the other day with on our Women's Employee Resource Network, uh, Mentum Wise is what we call them. And, you know, they, they even talked about the, the, the reverse, uh, I, I'm probably going to screw up the term, the reverse mentoring, um, where it's the younger generation mentoring the older generation helping them to understand where they're coming from and how to get the best, the best out of them as, as a generation of employees. But then I will also add this. They are, so you, you, let's take this whole post COVID hybrid, non-hybrid. Do they want hybrid? Do they not want hybrid? There's so many pieces of research out there trying to answer that question. What I'm picking up, and I'm not going to say that this is a, this matches everyone because I'm realizing that that's, there's just no such thing. Um, what I'm picking up is they want the option to be able sure. to come into the office, right? But when they do come in, when they have that option, they don't want to be the only ones there, mm. right? So how do you create space that when they do come in, there is someone there that might be able to provide them that mentorship? There, there are peers there that they can sit and chat and learn and collaborate with. So how do you create that space? So the bottom line is what we've always done is not going to work. We're going to have to figure out how to evolve. And oh, by the way, this, I think, is pretty much an imperative. If we do not start focusing on them, then where's our backup? Where's our relief? Like you, I'm I'm post 50, right? <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out where's my relief because I don't plan on doing this for another 50 years. So where's the group that's going to come in behind me that's going to pick up the, the, the ball and run with it? Now, it's about that time in the show where we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to ask you, uh, another question that involves sort of our ability to adapt to all of these change, you know, changing generations, changing demographics, and then sort of is there, you know, is there like a silver bullet or is there like a, a plan that if you just, if you enact a certain plan, does that get it? And, and then are they, a, do we measure them? Are they actually effective or are they feel good things that make us, you know, we can check that, uh, you know, the, what I forget what they, they call it, where you, uh, where you do something, even though it doesn't work, but you feel good about yourself for having done it. So right. are they effective? Are they not effective? You know, what's that silver bullet? So with that, we're talking to Dr. Rob Smith from Momentum and we're talking DEI. We're talking recruitment. We're talking about all those issues that you out there, the listeners care about. And we'll be right back. This episode of NucleCast is brought to you by the Anwar Deterrence Center, whose mission is to educate Americans about the nuclear enterprise and strategic deterrence.
by the CEO and all of the business group presidents, et cetera. And this is where we get to talk about these very things and we put in place different strategies and initiatives that will help us to get there. Whether it's looking at our leave policy, whether it's, you know, from a DEI perspective, looking at things like pay equity, how are we doing there? Looking at our demographics, how are we doing with recruiting and retaining our workforce from the different groups, whether it's an age thing, a gender thing, a race thing, right? What are we doing uh, around that? And then at the end of the day, how do we measure it to your question? Right? Are we retaining more people? Are we doing uh, our employee experience uh, surveys and getting a good sense on where people are feeling, how they're feeling about the organization, what their sentiment is? Um, are we seeing our employees serving as ambassadors and recruiting and referring others into our organization? These are all different measures and they don't stop there. There's so many different things that you can do. We have, we use pulse surveys whether we're building our value statement or whether we're trying to get a sense for where people are today as we're in say this stage of an integration or this change has come out, how are people feeling about that? Uh, and if you're not asking, then that's an indication that you don't care. But I would even say if you ask and then you do nothing with the information, that's also not necessarily a good thing also. So make sure if you're asking for information from your workforce, you're taking that information and doing something with it. Um, so these are just a few of the uh, of the of the things that we're doing, and we're constantly evolving our strategy. So back to the the question specifically on strategy, you know, it's easy to go and you can Google and find ten different strategies on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay, sure. But how do you know that that off the shelf model is going to work for your organization if you haven't assessed your organization? Have you done the pulse surveys? What does your exit interviews, what are they telling you, right? What are your stay interviews telling you? Are you even doing these 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 data capture uh, uh, activities to get it, get that level understand, of understanding? Uh, how is your onboarding? Do you even know how people feel about the onboarding experience? Back to the whole employee experience piece, it's from the beginning to the end, so to speak. So what are you doing to first understand what's working right, what's not working right? What are you putting in place to address that? But then how are you going back and evaluating that it's working so that you can reset and put the new initiative in place to get you moving in the direction you want to go in? And so as you think through what you guys are doing at Amentum, would you say that you're you're meeting your goals in terms of, you know, recruiting your the the right folks and recruiting the talent you need and and is it do you see that these these types of uh, programs are working? Are they still, is it too early to tell? Um, how do you see sort of this broadly speaking? Because as far as I understand it, the whole, the whole purpose is to recruit and retain the best and brightest talent so that the company right. can succeed. That's the goal. Right. And you just, and you want to make sure that you're not, arbitrarily excluding people because we, we tend to feel comfortable with those that are similar to us. You know, it's, it's, it was funny. I'll give you a sort of a, an experience. I, I spent a lot of time working in NATO and I always found the Europeans annoying. They didn't want, they didn't have, they didn't have this, you know, get it done kind of mindset. The Americans are very sort of, we got a job, let's do it. Let's get it done. And then I went, I started doing some work in China and I was there 
with uh, a group of I was the Amer one American, and there were a bunch of of other Europeans. And then whenever I was in China, I was like, you know, the Europeans are are for the most part they're just like us. But it, it took going to China to see how similar the Europeans actually were. And okay. so the the point of the analogy, hoping that analogies are all wrong, but sometimes useful, is that, uh, that you know, we're often captured by our own experiences until we're put in a different one. And so in 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 including as many folks as possible, you're hopefully bringing in those gems that you might have overlooked uh, had you just sort of, you know, stuck with certain schools, you know, like, for example, in the D.C. area, you know, there's there's these there's a pipeline from Georgetown, you know, into the State Department, you know, so it's you got to, you know, sort of cut off these pipelines and look more broadly, open your aperture. And right. so I, I guess in offering just that is I assume that your programs, that that's sort of what you're doing and how, how are they working out? And, and then sort of as you deal with your peers at other organizations, how are how are they reporting that these kinds of efforts are working for them in terms of, you know, bringing in you know, folks that they might not have would have naturally looked for? Got it. So I'll, I'll I'll start with I guess kind of a, a bit of a quick history lesson on the whole DEI thing. So think about it. When diversity, equity, and inclusion first started, it was just diversity. It was go and find diverse talent. Let's bring them in. We got to get them here. We got to make them because people are watching. It was really wrapped around compliance um, and wanting to uh, uh, at least appear like there was a focus in this particular area. A righteous effort wrong motive because at the end of the day what we were finding is people were coming in they weren't staying they weren't growing they were kind of you know stuck at the lowest level possible in many respects when we when the recruiting was was taking place so then it became diversity and inclusion and inclusion was really the whole point of okay how do we get them in get them um, not just uh, representing a, 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 a face, um, but also able to contribute, uh, have a seat at the table, uh, be a part of the conversation at the table, not just sitting there, um, contributing, um, and, and even allowed to lead, uh, with that being uh, obviously part of the ultimate goal. And then we threw equity in there. And, and here's why. A lot of people confuse equality and equity. Okay, um, just a quick uh, way of describing that. And, and I, I like to say I have some really good friends, include, uh, I'll use even my son, for example. My son is about 6'2". I'm about 5'6". <laughs> yes, he is really my son. Okay, so if, 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 if the job is, right, if your employer says, I want you to be able to change that bulb that's right above, you know, the bed, okay? But you have to move the bed out the way. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to give both of you a six foot box to stand on. Now, that six foot box, uh, it, it, this, this is the, the equality perspective. We both got an equal box to be able to do the job. But the equal box did not allow me to do it because I require a little bit more height to be able to change that light bulb. Whereas my son, he can stand on a six foot box and he can accomplish the task. Okay. Equity is more about giving me 
the five foot six person the same height needed to accomplish the task that you've given to the six foot two person. It doesn't have to be the same, but enough for me to be able to accomplish the task as you know the person who doesn't require as much. That's really where the equity piece kind of melded into the whole DEI conversation. And I would say now many of us are evolving to the conversation around belonging. Okay. The belonging piece is key because at the end of the day, you can create what you think is an inclusive environment. You can believe you're giving folks that equity so that they can be successful. You can work on bringing in the representation of diversity. But if you don't feel like you belong, um, then that person is probably not going to stay. Right. We've heard about quiet quitting. We've all gone through the great resignation, et cetera. And you talk about measurement. Well, one of the measures is people don't stay. Right. One of the ways of measuring if what you're doing is working is you have a pretty good retention stat and is represented across, again, your your d- different demographics. Uh, I'd say the other piece of it is not only do you have people staying, but you have them moving up in the organization. You know, so to your question about how we are, how are we doing? I would say in some areas we're doing exceptionally well. When we look at our overall demographic as an organization at Amentum, we are doing really, 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 really well. Okay, there are always pockets or opportunities for improvement because we can't forget that there are certain areas of the country where the demographics just don't exist. So let's just be real about that. There are certain places in the country where diversity in and of itself is just a challenge for just regions. So trying to employ it in some of those locations might be a little bit more challenging. But that doesn't mean it's impossible, right? So get excited around the opportunity. Stop seeing it as a challenge and see it as an opportunity, uh, something to almost tackle. Uh, I would say that things like our employee resource networks they're working. Um, I, we just started the the Women in Search of Excellence, that's momentum wise, back in August. And this particular network is thriving, right? It's great to see the excitement. It's great to see the learning and sharing and dialogue that's taking place. Um, you can and, and you literally get to see the excitement in their faces. People are dealing or facing some of their challenges and getting just in time mentoring and connection and understanding from people that have been there. And sometimes just knowing that you're not the only one that has faced it is quite powerful in and of itself. And somebody who you can talk to, invent to and share with um, the coaching that naturally comes out of that, the mentoring that naturally comes out of those relationships is quite powerful. So we're seeing success in many of our areas, but again, we're looking at it more from a opportunity perspective versus seeing them as challenges or insurmountable tasks. Because I think often when you see it that way, it's it's much easier to go, well, that's a bridge too far. I'm just gonna stop here. It's not even worth the effort. You see it as an opportunity, you get excited around it, you get to see progress. And and it really, for me personally, I just get so jazzed up around it when you see something that started small, turn into something big, and you see that one person. Because sometimes it's not about solving world hunger. Sometimes it's about making life better for one individual because it's so... Uh, infectious is probably the best way to put that Um, because that person then goes and sings the song to 10 people. And before you know it, everybody's excited for them and everybody wants to get involved in play. And our leaders are involved. We ask them to be a part of this. You don't get to just watch from the sidelines and hope that it goes well. 
you know, our executive sponsors, VPs, our advisors with these groups. They come in for mentoring. We have a big speed mentoring event coming up with our women's network during Women's History Month, which is in March. Um, and we're really excited about it. We have two of our leaders, uh, African-American leaders within Amentum that we're going to be hosting a, a conversation with here in just two days in celebration of Black History Month. Um, so again, it, it's, it's, it's making a large organization small, creating that sense of belonging, giving people a place to just kind of plug in and be a part of. Um, and again, the measures is you get to see it in your sentiment analysis, whether it's a stay interview or an exit, even an exit survey, you know, cause what you want is that if a person's leaving, you want them to consider you a, a, as an organization to return to. So even how you exit people is quite, quite powerful. And these are some, these are many of the efforts initiatives we're putting in place. Well, unfortunately we are out of time. You know, the funny thing is 30 minutes goes by, you think it's a long time, but it goes yes. by a lot quicker than you would think, especially if you're enjoying the conversation. Yes. So I get it. Dr. Rob <laughs> Smith, thanks for joining us on Nuclecast. Hopefully our listeners will will say, hmm, here's an idea. I hadn't thought of that before. So thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, Adam. I had a, I had a great time. This has been a production of the Anwa Deterrence Center. Our executive producer is Kimberly Charrington, and this episode has been engineered and mixed by David Grunthal. Follow the show on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at Nuclecast. Listen, follow, and review the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.